0: I was the lyricist. All of my songs, literally until I stopped writing music, have been about girls not wanting me. (laughs) I had nothing else in my locker. Something you're familiar with, yeah. Yeah. I don't know anything about anything else. Speak to what you know.
1: (laughs) Welcome to episode three of the Back in the Band podcast, a show where we remember a simpler time in our lives when music and being in a band back in the day meant you could actually dream of one day living the life of a rock and roll star but here we are recording a podcast at 9am in the morning as our kids woke us up three hours
2: ago. Like the last episode, we'll be asking today's guest about the hoodies they wore, the gigs that they saw, the songs that they learned, the money that they burned, the music they made, their dreams of getting laid, their first MP3s, the printed and ripped CDs, the strings that they snapped, and the bands that they clapped. So in a world where we no longer get to put our favourite song lyrics as our MSN display name anymore, let's get into it.
1: Lee episode three here we go so we're in the middle of Christmas right now which if this was 2001 would mean we're already reading the Karang Christmas special for about the fifth time in a row of boredom right any particularly rock and roll moments for you this Christmas
2: so far I mean I was really racking my brains when I was thinking back to how rock and roll this Christmas was but yeah it's been a lovely Christmas break so far if I had to say what my most rock and roll gift was it's just probably just the endless craft beers people seem to buy me I think that's just all they know me as is craft beer drinker but i did have a bit of a youtube session last night i got about half an hour in a glass of red i was watching this tv show that had billy piper in true rock and roll star so i ended up watching billy piper videos a Bit of jessica simpson came up and then a bit of savage garden and then i was like i'm gonna call it a night mate it's 10 30 i'm knackered is that because you want to oh i was just that song is actually crap by the way i was, just, I was, like, I was just like i thought i was hoping it'd be good how about you mate did you get any uh plectrums or anything fun in your stocking now, well, funny enough, I've actually
1: still got the ones I stole from Fred's Fest in 2001. But no, I got Lilat Wars on the N64, some HMV vouchers, and a Sound King amp from Caddington Music Store. So that came with a free bass strap, so really happy with that. But yeah, actually, in uh, reality, I got some tickets to go to an alcoholic coffee-making session with my wife in a couple of weeks, so excited for that. But yeah, all very grown-up. But well, We don't want to be grown-up, do we? We want to remind ourselves of everything that happened years and years ago. So if you remember on the last podcast, it was great to know about Ollie and Bostock and uh, that reminded me of Fridge Fest in 2002, I think it was, which, funny enough, featured the amazingly popular these days, Andrew Tate on the drums for Scenic Sunlight.
2: I'd say notorious rather than popular, but it did blow my mind <laughs> how famous that man is now. But Yeah, he was there. He was there and we did meet him quite a lot. Fridge Fest, though, that was an old gig. Can we even call that a festival?
1: Well, it was called Fridge Fest because the band who organised it were called Fridge Mower, which is obviously a ridiculous name in the first place. But let's embrace that more by calling the whole festival Fridge Fest. I even remember thinking a lot about what I was going to wear that gig and decided on some really baggy jeans and a Nike vest of all things. So, yeah, obviously not going to get much better than that, is it really? So let's move on, I suppose, after that and remind everyone that if you have enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate the show five stars or even a four. We'll probably still take a four. Happy with the four, in fact. We're of course on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and now got an Instagram with the handle of at back in the band pod. So without further ado, let's get going and introduce today's guest. Today's guest is Mr. Kinsey. No, not the sex doctor.
2: (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Dr. Alfred are you talking about?
1: (laughs) Yeah, of course (laughs) (laughs)
2: Couldn't even get through that. You're going (laughs) to struggle. Liam Neeson.
1: (laughs) Pro. Today's guest is Mr. Kinsey. No, not the hugely successful pioneer in the area of human sexuality research, Alfred Kinsey, but in fact, Aylesbury's moderately successful, James Kinsey. So Kinsey and I got to know each other via his actual band, Count the Days, as he asked me to produce some stuff with them in the garage studio I had. We had a lot of fun in those studio days, giving out free demo CDs at gigs, and I even had the pleasure of being there plus one as they supported McFly back in the day. But we do not want to know about that, as it was actually semi-respectable. We're here to learn more about the tragic high school bands that he was in. Kinsey, welcome to the pod. Thank you for having me. So right at the beginning of the show, we talk about the hoodies that they wore and the gigs that they saw. Do you remember your first rock and roll show?
0: I do, vividly, because it changed my life as you could probably appreciate. And I don't mean that to sound like really lame, but it did. The first rock and roll show I went to was Green Day at Wembley Arena in 2002. Part of the, I think it was like the International Super Hits Tour. And yes. they opened up with Maria and I was just blown away and hooked. And you know, you're like on cloud nine for
2: weeks after. Were you doing yeah. the classic, like you were actually in the seats, but still rocking out? Or St- did you get standing? In the seats.
0: Two seats down from my mate's dad, who was keeping an eye on us, who had driven us there. It was very middle class, but it was brilliant. Always. The
1: first show is always seated, isn't it? Because your mum's kind of said, yeah. yeah, you can go, but. Yeah. You're like 12 and tiny. Yeah. And did that, so that basically, you said that shaped your life. Did that make you want to start learning to play or did you start learning before that? So we were playing before that, but I think it changed my life just
0: on the desire to go and actually do it properly. There's nothing like live music. You can hear Green Day and You buy your CD and put it on your CD player. But yeah, this is like intrinsically made me want to go and play music and do, and just be music until I got to the point where I was like, this is just pathetic. Now I need to start living a life that isn't wanting to be in a band and meeting random men that are going, yeah, I'll record your mate in my little garage.
1: <laughs> Tell us about those bands that you started in. So I'm assuming you had a few, right?
0: Yeah. So when we were around 12, 13, when I got my first guitar, my dad gave me a Gibson S1 and it was so heavy. It's like from the seventies or something. Plugged it into an amp and I was really expecting that distorted blink Green Day sound, but it was just a lead into an amp, just clean, sounded horrific. I basically burst into tears. I was like, dad, what on earth is this? So I was in a band at school called Point Four. It was the three of us. We were terrible the first gig we played was the school mayfair and tell us about where, where did you get the name Point Four? by the I, way. I honestly have no idea i think the guitar was there, four was, of you? Th- there actually wasn't <laughs> i think we started as a four piece but it turned into three i was on bass and singing so yeah we never changed to point three. <laughs> we recorded a cover of all the small things by blink in my mate's room on his pc do you remember those long mics that came out really long and just had a little mark on the end yeah i remember them we just yeah use that just on the desk. A little like, USB mic type thing. I yeah. Like. And just burnt that onto a CD. So God knows what that sounded like. I've yeah. still got pictures of the cover knocking about though, which was photos in the garden, which my mate's mum took, which of I've heard similar of stories in previous podcasts. of <laughs> <laughs> Seems like we all did that. But yeah, never really, we couldn't play our instruments at all. There is an old camcorder footage of that Mayfair at our old school and it's just horrendous. There's no drums, there's no guitar. I remember turning around and looking at my mate's dad. He's just laughing at us. So did you just play guitar in this band or I played bass guitar for some reason. I don't know why, because I never carried on playing bass. Never really enjoyed it. I think it was just necessity. Everyone wanted to play guitar back then. No, no one oh, I'm starting the bass. How exciting. So I just had to. Yeah. Someone someone had a bass guitar. I'm just happy to be asked. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. nice to play and <laughs> do something. Yeah. Yeah. It's
2: interesting what you're saying about people like laughing at you in the crowd. I remember that quite vividly Stu and uh, i was definitely blocking it out like i knew we were bad but i was like i don't care i've got to survive up here i don't want to die or get through the song but yep. There there's definitely people laughing in the crowds so we were so bad
0: it's just awful back then i remember going we've got to do some like movements turning around and hitting the bass neck against the mic stand and the mic stand falling on the floor so it makes that really awkward <laughs> thud on the grass and it's like because it's all outside so it sounds horrible anyway yeah just horrific
1: so that was point four. Was there other bands you were in in school? Yes,
0: yeah, so we moved up to our high school after that. So in year nine is when you start meeting new people, like-minded people. Everyone else is starting to get into the music you like. No one really knows what genre they're into yet. It's like, yeah, Slipknot, Linkin Park, Cradle of Filth. It's all the same, it's all brilliant. So that means that you don't really know what sort of music you, you want to play. So we started a Green Day tribute band, obviously. We were obviously. called Sweet Children at school. And then I got to the point where I was like, I wanna write some music. So the drummer of Sweet Children, he was actually a really good guitar player. He's one of those guys where he's just good at everything, he buys a skateboard, and day one, he's like in. So he was our guitar player, but he was basically
1: a 50-year-old
0: man. He was <laughs> like, can we play Dire Straits? <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> the Year 9 girls aren't massive fans of Dire Straits.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. So there's three of us that were like, okay, we need a drummer. The bass player knows a drummer in this band that are like basically instrumental, doing really weird stuff. At the age of 15, 16, I'm like, what are you, what? <laughs> yeah, oh, why are you not playing <laughs> Linkin Park covers? 12 yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah, trying to be well grown up. So he said, I'll ask this drummer. I was like, yeah, but is he going to enjoy playing Stupid Kid by Alkaline Trio, for example? Turns out he was really into punk rock as well. So we get a four piece. I'm surrounded by three really good musicians, but with really strange, eclectic taste in <laughs> music. And we called ourselves Counterfeit. And I think it was the drummer's mum came up with the name, and we all went, "Great, that'll do." So it's always a mum's, isn't it? Counterfeit meant what? absolutely nothing.
1: <laughs> Where did counterfeit
0: rehearse? We rehearsed at the drummer's mum's house, um, the same
1: one who came up with the name. The,
0: yeah, so was she got like the manager she was like involved. <laughs> yeah, she loved it. The drummer's mum and dad lived in a nice, a proper, big suburban house with a detached double garage. So we were like, "This is the dream." This is written in the stars. We're making it, lads. Look at this rehearsal room. So yeah, we'd practice there for an hour and a half, go inside, sit around the, a table and drink c- cups of tea, <laughs>
1: um,
0: <laughs> which I absolutely hated. I always thought tea was, again, for old men. It's like, what are we doing drinking tea? This is mental. But I don't know if you had this, getting a lift to band practice was always the worst. Yeah. the worst. the like worst. My mum would never do it. In fact, the bass player's dad... He didn't like me much at first, and I have no idea why, other than I was like new to his son's friendship group. And he used to just drop me off on a bypass, just a random part of the bypass, and go, "Okay, get out." And I remember going, "Oh, but my house is like a thirty-minute walk from here." He's like, "Just get out." <laughs> Did you have your guitar? Yeah, and yeah, with amp. you. <laughs> I was like, "No, honestly." I remember going to Ed. Do I have to get out? He's like, "You need to get out," because his dad was just like the- crazy. And I remember thinking. I can't be in this band. This is so so
1: mental. I now remember that everyone would turn up at rehearsal and it'd be like, start at two o'clock and it got to about quarter past. We'd be like, where, where is he? Where's this one guy? Yeah. And then you should be chasing him on the phone and you're knocking at 3310s or whatever. Oh yeah, I couldn't get a lift. No one's here to give me a lift. My mum said no. And you'd be like, we're all here, you (laughs) fucking dickhead. Like, couldn't you have told him? Yeah. You're fuming for that reason. Could you not have just told us?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was a nightmare. I remember someone refusing to pick us up once because Meppeshaw we all lived in Olsey pretty much. And Mepeshaw was a good, I don't know, it's like a 10 minute drive, but to walk, a nightmare. N- no one came to get us. So we had to walk home in the <laughs> dark with our guitars and amps down again, a bypass. It was just insane. I remember one time my mum was like, fine, I'll take you. Put the key in the boot to open it like the old day, none of this clicky stuff anymore snap the yep. key inside the boot.
2: <laughs> so she's
0: already livid. Now she's like having heart palpitations just because we want to get to band practice.
2: If our parents really cared and they thought we were going to make it, they'd have probably uh, supported drives like that. But they obviously thought, it, eh, probably yeah, not going to make of time. it. That's, yeah, waste of time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you're our first guest who actually wrote their own original music. So did Counterfeit yeah. write a few tracks? Counterfeit did. I vividly remember the first
0: song we ever wrote. I was with the guitar player in his bedroom and he'd come up with this riff that was like a clean C chord, then to an A minor, then to an E. And I was like, blimey, this sounds nice and everything, but I'm going to try and write vocals over this. Because I was like, you know, everything has to be major, everything's three chords, everything's distorted. I don't have time for a slight minor key progression, whatever. So that meant that our music was really bizarre. So that first song was all right. You were the lyricist though. I was the lyricist. All of my songs, literally until I stopped writing music, Not long ago, (laughs) have been about girls not wanting me.
2: (laughs) I had nothing else in my locker. Something you're familiar with, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't know anything about anything else. Stick to what you know. Yeah, Yeah. to say about your. um, I wanted to know a bit more about your EP, mate. How many copies were we selling here?
0: We must have done about twenty copies. Tried to shift a few around school. We were quite lucky, actually. Our school had a really thriving music scene. We had bands that I would like genuinely look up to, and they were releasing EPs that I was like, "This is sounds really good." So. Our EP meant nothing, really. It was just kind of thrown into a pool of a huge group of fans that were releasing EPs. I use the term releasing loosely, handing out to <laughs> girls going, well, listen to this, this might be about you. Begging. Yeah. What would you say was the peak of
1: Counterfeit's existence?
0: We supported Enter Shikari at Club 85, and that was like the dream, because it was absolutely rammed, as you would expect. It's like three, 400 people, I think, packed out, and then loads of our mates were there. Everyone gets a free pass at the bar at a gig like that. So everyone's wasted on snake bite and doesn't know what day yeah. it is. So it's just a mad vibe just a crazy night. You come away from my gig going, we're probably gonna make
1: this. I yeah. reckon
0: we're gonna be famous. Definitely. I had a few of those moments bizarrely looking back, thinking, why did I think that? I remember playing at Uzi Village Hall with a Green Day tribute band and people just enjoying it and going, yeah, great. We're gonna make it lads. That reception was
1: special. <laughs> We're just playing some Green Day covers that everyone's into. <laughs> what was the most rebellious thing that you probably did in your school band days? So
0: the most rebellious thing was probably just, there's probably two. One is schoolwork, getting behind and just pissing off your teachers. And then my parents got called in a couple of times and my mum was like, "I well, it, you're grounded. I remember saying, I can't be grounded because we've got a gig, another gig at Club 85 <laughs> <laughs> and we need to practice. You grounding me just doesn't. It doesn't just affect me. It affects three other people. It no, affects the
1: fans. Yeah, it affects the fans.
0: Yeah. It affects the <laughs> bands, it, it affects the drummer's mum, who will have the kettle on. And I remember begging my art teacher, "Please ring my mum, and dad, and tell them that I'm doing well." He's turned it around. He's like a new student. So she, I was like, "Please, I need to go to band practice." So she, I watched her go to the art room landline and ring my mum, and she did it for me. Did me a solid, and I got to go. It's amazing.
1: That's well good. So what was,
0: about, what was it about Blink 182 that just does it for you? It wasn't an initial thing. Green Day was definitely my first love. But then Blink released their self-titled, untitled album in 2003, and we just put it on in the music room. Because we were fans of Blink like pre-Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, old school. Sounds like oh, I'm yeah. showing off. We're just old. Um, and that, that, that album just changed everything. And then I was like, man, this band is so cool. And then Tom's black hair is Gibson. I just wanted to be him completely. And then I dyed my hair black. That just resulted in all my school books and pencil cases getting thrown out the window by a lot cooler kids. <laughs> Someone went to me, what have you done to your hair? I have like, oh, just dyed it black. You look like a prick, mate. <laughs> <coughs> it's like just keep it together so why did you go for the green day covers i think green day was easier to play i think i could sing green day better than blink obviously we understand that tom's voice is very unique and true my as soon as i started getting higher range in my voice it just sounds horrendous i was comfortable at green day everyone in the band seemed to uh, and everyone around us were like yeah green day the better band and people just enjoyed that that vibe better but i was definitely more of a blink fan, and then yeah i've just loved them ever since still listen to all their stuff people are like you still listen to dude ranch and buddha like albums mate so- i listened
2: to dude ranch the other day it's so raw but like yeah when you're in the mood it's really cool if i put if buddha
0: album comes on in the car or cheshire cat my wife would be like this is so bad like it's all out of tune <laughs> it, it sounds horrific how did this band become as big as they did like it's a great question.
2: It's weird, isn't it? I watched a YouTube documentary about Blink the other day, just like a 40-minute st- history of Blink. And it was exactly that, showing horrendous clips of Tom just squealing on stage. And, but no one cares because they're just there for a good time and the music's good. But he yeah. can't sing very well on stage. <laughs> no. So being mm. in a band, apart from dying your hair, do you think
1: it actually helps your popularity in school or not make a difference, really?
0: You think it would. We weren't bullied. It was just this why the in-betweeners was so popular. We were basically the in-betweeners. We would get given the odd dead arm and everything, but people had this (laughs) respect for Oh, the band guys. Yeah, never got girls through it. But the thing is, I think with pop punk back then, it almost, the more heartache you felt or got rejected by a girl, the better it was because it means you could go home and listen to a ballad for the Lost Romantics by Newfound Glory or songs about girls not wanting you and just enjoying it so much more and just being like, actually, we're a group of mates and let's just do what we want to do.
2: There's definitely an in-between esteem going on with this, isn't there? Everyone sort of in a band yes. was kind of in the middle and it prevented you from being bullied. It was like just enough. Draw the line there. Yeah. Falling into the geek crowd as such.
0: It's a weird one because we played end of year assembly as well and then that kind of won the hearts of everyone at that point. I think we did When I Come Around and Time of Your Life by Green Day and then everyone was like, oh, that was actually really cool.
1: But the bullies start to think, oh, I wouldn't have had the courage to do that. All I'll do is punch you lot. So looking back then, mate, if your kids to follow in your footsteps, and they were crap, would you have the heart to tell them they're crap or would you be more supportive or how would you deal with it, do you think?
0: That's a good question. I don't think I'd have the heart to tell them they're crap,
1: only because
0: I wouldn't care if they made it or not, or how crap they were. I would just encourage them to keep doing it just because of the amount of fun it will bring them in their growing up years. If I was into music, I wouldn't be doing this right now. It's such a small, stupid thing. Like... Who cares? We're doing a podcast in between Christmas and New Year, but it's actually really good fun. I've been looking forward to it, so yeah, I'll definitely encourage it. Even if they're terrible, I yeah, just keep going to keep getting better. Just do what you want, because you can. Just, it'll just be intrinsically in them to love it. There's no point yeah. in trying to suppress it and go, oh, go and do maths because you'll get good money. So we can all, you've got the rest of your life to go and earn money.
2: Time now for our next feature that we call My Napster, where we ask our guests to contribute a track to our playlist that meant a lot to them. So, James, we want to know how you listened to that song and what's the strongest memory around that song. We'll add this to our brand spanking new, back in the band, season one Spotify playlist for all you goths and greebo's to enjoy. So, James, let's go for it. What song are you giving us today?
0: there are lots to choose from based on different bands that have been in times of my life but for the counterfeit period a decade under the influence by taking back sunday would be this one song that reminds me of that band that time in my life as we touched on i was heavily into green day blink newfound glory and then the drummer put on a taking back sunday album at a house party and that song came on and i was like what is this band honestly i don't think i would even heard of them and just the double vocal everything about it Just blew my mind. So then we ended up covering A Decade Under the Influence in Counterfeit. And I just remember, like, the bass player took some of the vocals from me and it was just completely changed the way we probably wrote songs after that, tried to make things more complicated. But we had a lot of fun playing that song. Then from then, I just became a huge Taking Back Sunday fan. It just reminds me of that latter school year time.
2: Nice. Love that. I haven't listened to them in a long time.
1: So that reminds me as well. You said the drummer put it on at a party. Was there girls at the party? Yeah. And did they like, what is this shit? Because I remember we just constantly, if we had had 14, 15, 16-year-old parties with our mates at at the time in school and subjecting them to absolute crap, the sort of thing is like, why are these girls still at this party?
0: Yeah. I think at most parties it was, you know, Sean Paul and J-Lo and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then, yeah, you'd (laughs) put on a Take It Back Sunday track with really like challenging melodies.
2: Yeah, you'd be like, let me me plug my iPod in. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, it wasn't good for the party vibes, for sure. And it came off quite quickly.
1: So as a final part of the chat today, Kinsey, we're going to ask you a would you rather, so we can understand a little bit more about what makes you tick musically. So I've got two choices for you. You've got the rock and the hard place. I'm going to stick you right in the middle of it. First option, you could either... Have to listen nonstop to the entire back catalogue of the Beatles in your last day on this earth. Even with your last dying breath, you can hear the Beatles, Paul McCartney and John Lennon. Or never have had the chance to go to a Blink-182 gig, play their music, or even buy their CDs. You've just heard it, and that's it. You can't engage with Blink-182 in any capacity. What are you going for?
0: Oh, that's a really hard one. Because as you know, Stu... I hate the Beatles so much. And I get I get stick for that from pretty much everyone I meet.
2: you got to stick with it now, though, haven't you? You can't back down once you've said a statement like that.
0: Honestly, Lee, I've tried on my own, put them on in the car. What is the fuss about? And I just don't understand it. It's dreadful. <laughs> Every single one of their songs makes me feel sick.
2: So that's, this is a tough choice, then. He's done, a, he's, done a, he's done you a number here, mate. This is really difficult.
0: Yeah. And what's the other one? I can't engage in Blink whatsoever. I just listen to them. Yeah,
1: no gigs. You can't play their music. You can't buy T-shirts. You can't have their CDs or anything. You just listen to it. If it's on in the background, it's there. You can't put it on. I'd
0: have to listen to the Beatles for the rest of my life, I think.
1: Wow. What's the worst song, that? if that was your last dying breath, what would it be that would just kill you off?
0: I don't even know <laughs> the names of their songs properly.
1: Would it be the Octopus's Garden? Would that
0: Yeah, maybe that be sure. one. Or it's like hello hello (laughs) yeah i don't know why
2: you say goodbye (laughs) yeah it's like shut up this is literally your last dying breath you go listen to that (laughs) hello hello (laughs) yeah i just don't it's just not for me and
0: there are people that are obsessed (laughs) obsessed my dad just he talks to me about the revolver album honestly don't know it
2: (laughs) go for it mate
1: righty-ho here we are once again another episode in the Canley. any favorite moments from kenzie's story today
2: yeah, so it's nice to have someone uh, with some uh, seemingly more professional music experiences. So it's a bit different today. I enjoyed it. I particularly enjoyed hearing his stories about smashing into his mic stand with his guitar at a Mayfair gig. I don't even know what a Mayfair gig is. I sort of <laughs> picture it, some sort of school fate or something, but that sounded funny. But I think we can all resonate, can't we, with getting dropped off, you know, with your amp and guitar at band practice and being asked to be picked up two hours later and sort of sticking around for dinner at your mate's house or something, right?
1: Yeah, just because you couldn't ask your parents to spend their entire Saturday just waiting for you to finish your fucking band practice. But I remember being really pissed off if we couldn't get it the way where we wanted either.
2: Yeah, and like we said, like they definitely did that because they thought they are actually shit. <laughs> they're not going to make it. What's the point? I'm not putting the effort in. They're, they're, if they're not going to put the effort in, why should I? <laughs> One more thing I was just going to mention about Kidzy. He mentioned something that I thought was really interesting at the start, just about live music being quite an experience and how that first hit him when he went to the Green Day gig and stuff, when he was going to his first gigs. I remember Matthew saying to me something once about this because he was quite a religious guy, went to church a lot when he was younger. I think he said he went to see Coldplay or something and he said it was like a religious experience to him going to that because it was just everyone in one place gathering, singing, obviously, along to Coldplay tracks. I was just like, that is, that was quite a good description when he said that. I was like, that is what, almost like what, it's like your church, isn't it? As, As cliched and lame as it sounds, going to those gigs. That's why I go to so many still. I don't know what you think.
1: Yeah, I really remember it. I'm sure everyone really remembers their first gig, especially if you're really into music. And funny enough, I remember being really nervous for the band. I went to the Incubus and I remember thinking, oh my God, they must be so nervous. And like reality is they do this all the time. A
2: thousand times. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, great,
1: great memories as always. So, time to wrap up on this third episode of the Back in the Band podcast. As always, do subscribe and rate the podcast as highly as possible. We'll even take a three-star at this point. And of course, we'll be forever grateful. And as a way of saying thanks, Lee will send you the guitar tab sheet for Blind by Korn absolutely free.
2: We're already excited for the next episode and hearing about what it was like to be in a band in school and how music and the technology back in the day really shaped us as people. A massive thanks to Kinsey for being on the podcast today. If any of you have some suggestions, please get in touch on Twitter via at BackInTheBandPod or even on our new Instagram channel to at BackInTheBandPod as well. If you know us and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, just say hello and we'll give you our MSN ID to set up a group chat to get things going. Thanks for listening.